one-stop shop for all Indiana FFA and agricultural news. We're excited to bring you stories from the industry leaders, FFA members, and everything in between. This month's host is myself, Julia Hamblin, serving as the state president, alongside my co-host, Derek Williams, your state reporter. During our year of service as Indiana FFA state officers, we hope to share with you the stories of the amazing individuals that are leading and shaping our industry. Join us today at Corduroy Connect to get a glimpse into what we have to offer. Welcome back to the Corduroy Connect. We have with us here today our special guest, Mr. Brian Buchanan. Brian Buchanan is an Indiana Senator for District 7, serving White County and portions of Clinton, Carroll, Jasper, Tippecanoe, and Boone County. He currently sits on the Agriculture, Education and Career Development, Natural Resources, and tax and fiscal policy committees. Brian was a state officer serving as the Indiana FFA State Sentinel in 1996 to 1997. After his year of office, he attended Purdue University, graduating with a degree in agricultural education. He previously served as the executive director of the Indiana FFA Foundation. He is an Agri Institute board member, Indiana FFA Leadership Center committee member, and a Boone County Mentorship Program mentor. Outside of being a state senator, Ryan works for his family business, Buchanan Hauling and Rigging Incorporated, which operates more than 300 tractor trailers in a logistics management division. Thank you for joining us here on the Corduroy Connect, Senator Buchanan. We greatly appreciate you taking time, time out of your day uh, to share with our members about your work you do. Great. Well, well thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be here with you. So, Senator Buchanan, we'll just start with, uh, is there anything else that you would like to share with the members uh, that are listening to this podcast right now? You know, the, the, you covered it pretty well. The thing I will add is the FFA organization has made a tremendous impact on my life, my family's life, and we truly value what the FFA does for, for young people. I will say, um, I actually, uh, my wife is a former state FFA officer as well. We have two young kids, a kindergartner and a second grader. I think we're, you know, who knows, they, they could uh, certainly agriculture and love of FFA will be instilled in them. And and we just, we just truly value FFA and organization and agriculture and what it does to uh, to help young people grow and develop. So certainly have a have a lot of passion there. Enjoyed my time serving as a, the Indiana FFA Foundation Executive Director and worked for FFA for almost a nine year span and in various roles. The, the last of which was the Foundation Director, and, and certainly enjoyed that time and, and was honored to do it. And still look forward now to, to helping out and giving back to FFA in a variety of different ways. That's awesome. Uh, you might even have some future FFA members there uh, on your hands, Senator Buchanan. Absolutely. You know, we, we, we certainly like to think so. Yes. Now, as a state senator, tell us what a typical workday looks like for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, that's an excellent question. And, and I will kind of divide this up in, into two sections. If you want to know what a typical work day, I, I'll kind of take first January through April, which is when we're, we're physically in session as the Indiana General Assembly. And, and what that means to be in session is when we're at the state house almost every day and, and we're discussing legislation, taking it through the committee process, giving committee hearings, asking questions, and actually voting on legislation. Hey, is this, is this a good idea, a bad idea? How can we amend it? How can we change it? And, and passing laws. So, so January through April uh, for this year, starting in January of 21 through April, it's, it's session time. And more or less, we're, we're at the state house pretty much every day, Monday through Thursday. Friday, we do not have session, but oftentimes during session, there's other meetings, other phone calls going on. 
continuing to discuss legislation. And, and this is a, is a budget year. So every other year, in 21, we do the budget. If you go back in 2019, we did a budget. You go forward in 2023. So every other year, we do the state budget. It's a long session where we were there January through April. And then uh, the, the off years, for example, 20, 2020, 2022 is a short session where we, uh, we don't do the budget. So it's only January through mid-March. So, so during that time frame, during session, we're at State House every day. Outside of session, there's still quite a bit of, uh, you know, meetings, activities, uh, uh, you know, if constituents call and want to meet to discuss an idea, if some community leaders across my district want to discuss an idea, I try to be there for them, whether that's in person or, or, or a phone call. A lot of events I tend to go to as a senator, whether it be a the 4th of July parade, a, a rotary meeting, a chamber of commerce meeting, if it's a school meeting. As a senator, one, one of my goals is to attend, uh, try to attend everything I possibly can. Now, it's not possible. It's impossible task, but, but I try to make it to as many activities and events as, as I can. I say I, I pride myself on being really transparent and visible and accessible to my constituents. It's one of my goals. So, uh, so it's what I, what I try to do. And, and that being role of a senator when you're not in session uh, over the spring, summer, fall, and, and early winter, that, that's kind of what the, the senator job consists of there. I will also add, too, as a, as a state senator and as a state representative, it, it's a part-time job. So you still have your, your full-time job that, that you're trying to work. Obviously, that gets put a little bit on the back burner, especially during legislative session, but, but I still have my, my full-time job, which I work in the family transportation and logistics business. I don't know about you, Derek, but I just learned a lot about yeah, what senators yeah. do. That, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and I think, you know, constituents especially, people that you represent, really appreciate that, having you come out to their events, you know, talk to them one-on-one. Um, and I think that's definitely a trend with elected officials. People like the transparency. People enjoy actually being able to communicate and talk with the people that, you know, are elected to serve them. So I think that's a really great thing that you put a emphasis and priority towards meeting with your constituents. Yeah, well, well, and you know, and I think it's tremendously important because ultimately those are the people that hired us, you know, talking to your constituents. They, they voted for you. They hired you to do the job. And it's so great. So where so many good ideas are developed and you hear their ideas. And quite frankly, you know, oftentimes, when you can talk to someone either on the phone or, or I say eyeball to eyeball, you can learn a lot. And sometimes people, you know, they may not agree with you, but when you talk to them and explain your position, why you're, you have this view or this position on something, they ultimately respect that. Good to have that dialogue and discussion continuing ongoing with, with constituents and those people that you serve. This next question uh, I know has been talked about throughout the state house for several years. I know I advocated for it uh, with my local farm bureau uh, several times, and that's rural broadband. And it continues mm -hmm. to, to be a hot topic for Indiana farmers. Uh, but what progress can you tell us that's been made in the effort to expand broadband to our farmers? Yeah, you know, that is a great question. I will say the issue of lack of high quality, affordable internet service, lack of broadband across many parts of Indiana has had a spotlight shined on it with, with COVID-19 and people, you know, kids having to do e-learning from home and parents working from home. So, so it, it's a big issue and it's something that's not going to be solved overnight. But I will say the state has invested a very large amount of money, hundreds of millions of dollars towards uh, rural broadband and, and trying to get those out in grant programs. So, so, so ultimately trying to invest more money. We're also looking at uh, trying to maybe get some more accurate mapping currently now to be eligible for a lot of federal grants or even state grants. The mapping is done by census blocks. Essentially, I forget the, the exact area, but you know, so many 
square miles. And if one home in that area has quality internet service, they, they kind of count that census block as covered. So really looking at maybe some, some different ways to, to map and really pinpoint down to the home who has quality internet service and who doesn't. But it's a big issue. I know this session, every legislative session, it gets discussed. We try to find more ways. But, but if you talk to those in, involved in the industry of broadband, they say ultimately, you know, it, it's very expensive. It's very expensive to run fiber across uh, across Indiana into, into, into some rural areas. So, so money is going to have to continue to be adva- invested also with, with, with the mapping. I think that's, a, that's something there. And you also got to keep your eye on too. You, you never know, you know, you try to do it fisc- in a fiscally responsible manner because you never know what, when some new technology could come that that could change the game. I don't know, have a clue what that would look like or what that would be, but you, you, you never know when new technology would come. But, but very much, I, I will say, access to high quality internet service is, is essential. It's no longer a luxury, but, but it's, an, it's essential. And you know, if we want small towns in rural Indiana to continue to be vibrant and relevant, I, I think we've got to make sure there's, there's quality internet service there. Because I think someone's going to buy a house. I, I know one of the first questions they ask, what kind of internet service do you have? And, and if, it's, uh, if it's shaky anymore, man, it, it just, it, it's almost a deal breaker to start. So we've got to continue to work on this issue. Yeah, and it's definitely a big issue for communities, like you said, with schools. Uh, you know, most of our schoolwork now, especially for schools who have had to do a lot of virtual learning, connected to the internet, classwork, meeting with teachers, a lot of that requires a pretty good internet connection. So I think it's definitely an important issue to, to keep working on, uh, just because of, you know, especially us being young people and representing our FFA members, you know. They're all people going through high school right now, dealing with these issues with internet connection. I mean, it would make their life so much easier, even for us, having a little bit better internet connection back back where we where we live. It's an important issue, so it's awesome to hear that you know the state uh, state legislators still working on getting that expanded out to our rural Hoosiers. Oh, absolutely, and I will say that you know, General Assembly, you know, we we represent all across Indiana, not just in the urban areas, so. Uh, I represent a, a fairly lar- a large rural district, and I, and I hear it frequently often that, that people need quality internet service. And also, one of my neighbors reminded me recently that we just don't need quality internet service. We need to be somewhat affordable as well. So, you know, I think yeah. that's, a, that's a good piece of the pie there as well. You know, you need to be somewhere where people can, uh, most people don't mind paying for it, but it does need to be affordable too. So trying to, trying to find that magic formula to make all that work is something we're going to continue to work on. Now, you mentioned uh, new innovations, new tech, new ideas, and I think that's definitely a good segue into our next question, uh, which is about hemp. You know, Indiana had a pilot hemp program, and now, you know, the USDA approved an Indiana hemp plan to allow some of our Indiana farmers to continue to grow and process that commercial hemp. Um, and again, we know this is new ideas, new programs, so we were just curious, you know, what uh, what's going on at the state house? What are some of the ideas being thrown around when it comes to hemp? Yeah, yeah, you know that's a great question. I will say, I think a lot of uh, what's going on and what's going to happen is still to be determined. I believe two years ago, I think in 2019, we passed a, a law allowing uh, industrial hemp or ag- for agricultural purposes hemp to be grown. Uh, honestly, I wish I could give you a better answer, but I know there are some producers of hemp in Indiana. I know some of the the challenges are, is you know, actually not just planting it and harvesting, but actually, uh, what do you do with it? How do you process it? You know, having processors around. And then also having a marketplace as well. And I think those are still being developed. And I, and I think, you know, probably over the next couple of years, we'll get a better idea of just what role hemp will play in, in Indian agriculture, really agriculture across the U.S. 
and again, yeah, we understand it's kind of one of those new new programs, new ideas, uh, you know, starting to gain tracks and tractions. We were just curious to, to hear some of the tidbits, some of the insider information yeah. on uh, what's going on with that. Yeah, it's a great question. Actually, I believe there's a couple growers uh, kind of kind of up in the sun, north, north central part of the state that are growing it. And I haven't heard what success or how it's been working out, but I'm looking forward myself, quite frankly, to, to learning more about the, the hemp since we've you know, it's been going now a couple of years and where it's going and has it been successful, what, what the challenges have been. So hopefully we'll learn more here over the next year. Uh, this next question uh, I hold very uh, dear to my heart. Uh, after graduating from college, I plan to become an agricultural educator. And my own advisor has talked to me about uh, this issue that's going on, not just in Indiana, but across the country. And that's the, uh, the shortage of qualified agricultural educators. So what do you propose could... Uh, be done to maybe improve on there being a lack of qualified agricultural educators in Indiana or even in the nation? That is a terrific question and one that, that I know I've been concerned about personally for quite a while. It goes back to, to my time as an FFA member, um, as a state officer working for FFA, and, and now you know having two, two young children who may grow up and want to be involved in FFA. But ultimately, the FFA advisor is the heartbeat of any, any agriculture yeah, exactly. education Absolutely. program. If you don't have that, you can have the, the, the best opportunities. You guys put on some wonderful opportunities on the state level and many other people do as well. But if you don't have that advisor to make the kids aware of the opportunities and to be willing to take them or, or find a way to get them to those opportunities, it, it's going to be really challenging for, for those kids to, to get any, you know, to get anything out of it. So, so I just, I, I think we really got to focus on this, you know, need to have, have more discussions about, Hey, what is it that, that keeps someone from going into agriculture education and being a teacher or, you know, what is it that forces them out of the classroom after three to five years? Some, some of the things I hear a, a little bit is just, is this burnout? You know, we expect an awful lot of our agriculture education teachers. So, so how can we maybe lower that, maybe, maybe engage more volunteers, figure out, oh yeah, this is an opportunity for someone else to take up the ball and run and still the teacher kind of facilitate that. Ultimately, I, I do think money is involved a little bit, but I, I think with ag teachers, I think it's, from what I hear, it's more of the, the burnout, trying to keep up with everything and, and keep things moving. So, you know, you, you can look at the money aspect. How can you reward them more financially? How can you get more, uh, just the burnout factor to go away, maybe take some activities off the table. I always think it's important as a state organization in FFA and agriculture education, you know, we're, we're really good at adding programs and more opportunities for, for, for the members. You know, I always think it's a good question too of, hey, if we're going to add this new program, is there an opportunity to kind of rein its course and maybe, you know, isn't as relevant as what it used to. Let's face it, we're in a very fast moving, changing time. You know, this activity was relevant 15, 20 years ago, but it's no longer. So is there some ways to maybe put something on the table, take something off the table for members to take advantage of. But, you know, I, I don't, I don't have a, a magic bullet or, or a great answer there, but, but one thing I would personally like to see is just more discussion around ag teachers and, you know, maybe get a group of, you know, some teachers who are five years or less and some of those that are maybe that 10 to 20 year range and some other 20 to 30 year range and just really have a discussion about, you know, what do they think they can do to attract more people? I, I firmly believe also I'd love to see some type of more robust uh, way to, to, to get maybe high school kids more educated on the teaching profession, I guess, and, and what it entails. And maybe it's kind of a quasi mentorship program throughout college. I don't know, just, just maybe some different creative ways. But I think sometimes the more dialogue, more discussion, the closer we can get to solving this. But the teacher is truly, the ag teacher is, FFA advisor is the heartbeat of any ag program. 
I couldn't agree with more, more with that really. I think we can we can both say our advisors they changed our lives, and I I'm excited to to be in that position in, in about four years. I think that that wraps up that question. Very yeah, well. I would not be a state officer if it wouldn't be for my ag advisor. You know, I I could have gotten into FFA, I could have participated in some of the contests, mm-hmm. but I couldn't have reached some of the really you know amazing opportunities that we have in the FFA without my advisor. Cause that was the person that encouraged me that really pushed me to go out, find those opportunities and also then help me to get those opportunities. So I definitely think it's one of those cyclical processes that if we can get more ag teachers, you know, really good trained ag teachers, and that's going to make even better FFA members. And then FFA members turn into really great members of our communities. And then it all kind of goes back into each other, creating this cycle of just really good yeah. training and really good growth for all of our uh, young people. Yeah, and, and oftentimes the ag teachers not only kind of say that the heartbeat, the pillar of an ag FFA program, but also of a community too, especially some of the small communities across Indiana, you know, they're they're very much respected and, and people have a lot, a lot of high reverence for them. So, you know, how do you how, how do you build that and keep that going? I don't know, but it's going to be a discussion. I, I feel we've got to put a lot of time and energy into that discussion and trying to, trying, to, trying to solve that. And I think this, you know, ties into a bigger conversation of how we can keep making Indiana a strong agricultural state. And I think a really important part of that is trade. Uh, you know, Indiana has a pretty good presence with, in, with international trade. Um, so can you talk more about that form of trade and also how it impacts Indiana agriculture? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think oftentimes, uh, you know, people don't realize just how important trade, particularly on a, on a global level, how important that is to it's Indiana and really agriculture across the U.S. But oftentimes the, the markets overseas, um, you, you hear about it, you know, we, we sell as a, as a country, a lot of corn, a lot of soybeans to a lot of other countries. So to have a, a good, a good marketplace, I guess you can say, you know, when other countries are buying a lot of our product, that means there's more consumption, generally prices go up, which is a better reward for, for Indiana farmers. So, so, and, and whenever other countries uh, buy less or stop buying, you, you kind of notice there's more stockpiles, the, the old supply and demand. If you got more supply, prices are probably going to drop. But if you could, if you could sell more and get more out, prices are going to go up. And, and that's ultimately a catalyst that affects so much of what goes on with agriculture. And that's why a lot of times you, 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 you talk, you talk to farmers and you hear them often, you know, talk about what happened overseas and they buy more soybeans to buy more corn. And, and that has a pretty fast, pretty direct impact on what, what happens here. So you know, on a, on a statewide policy level, I'm not sure there's a, a whole lot, you know, we, we do that really, it can impact trade, but, but, but on, a, on a federal level, trade, trade is important and how it really trickles down to, to our farmers on a, on a local level is tremendous. I think that's a, a really good lead in for the final question revolving around ag policy and Indian agriculture is simply what are you most excited about with the future of Indian agriculture? I'm extremely passionate just about Indiana agriculture and being involved in it. And, and I will say that the thing I'm probably most excited about is I just really, really enjoy the, the people involved in Indian agriculture. It's some really great people. You can have some honest conversations with them. Um, I'm also excited to see, to see where agriculture goes. You know, agriculture is still, you know, I say the, the backbone of Indiana. You look at how many small towns in rural Indiana, how much of rural Indiana is dependent upon agriculture and how much agriculture means to local communities. So, so I'm excited to see where that goes. There's always new opportunities here that just the, the physical location of Indiana and, and agriculture and our climate provide some great opportunities. And, and I don't know what, where those opportunities are going to go, but, but from an agriculture standpoint, agriculture and economic development together, things are, things are going really well. And I think they're only going to continue to, to get better. I think we have a great environment for, 
for agriculture growth, economic growth, and those two those two things together will be a lot more opportunities for, for farmers, really everyone involved in, in agriculture in Indiana. That's super encouraging to hear, especially for our FFA members who get the chance to listen on to the podcast. You know, they like to hear the future of Indiana agriculture is looking yeah. bright because, again, that's what um, you know, all of our members are you know, most passionate about. It is about Indiana. It is about the agricultural presence that we have yes. here in the state. So that's awesome to hear. Now, you know, we mentioned in your bio, you were a past state officer. I'm sure, you know, you have many, many good lessons and memories that uh, you have from those times back in the FFA. So this next segment that we're going to move into is our FFA segment. So tell us a little bit more about how you were involved with FFA and maybe some of the contests um, and activities that you had the chance to take a part in. Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I, and I remember uh, starting in FFA as a freshman in, in high school. And it kind of took me really that first year, I'd say it was a little timid, didn't get wasn't super involved, but, uh, but, but got more involved. And, and I remember a, a lot of activities that I have such fond memories of. Um, obviously, one of my favorite things was, was attending uh, the leadership conferences, going to conferences, meeting people from all across the state. And that was just really inspiring to me. And, and you know, looking up to, to the state officers and seeing, you know, seeing their programming and, and, and what they were trying to share with, with the members there. So, so the conferences, um, also enjoyed soils judging, crops judging, and really all the all the leadership CDEs as well. You know the, the those the, the all the, the district conventions, district contests. I guess you can say they were they were very enjoyable. Well, also some of the community activities. You know, being involved at the county fair and doing some ag day breakfasts were really enjoyable. But for me, overall, the the entire FFA experience was, was great and really kind of helped me personally kind of come out of my shell. And that's what I think is so special about the FFA is it it offers something. For everyone, you know, regardless what your interest, where you're at, the FFA can offer you something and an opportunity and avenue to excel. Yeah. And the big, you know, national motto right now for FFA is FFA for all. Um, And I think what you said really speaks Mm -hmm. true of that in that whether you're coming in with an agricultural background or whether, you know, you're living in town or the city, there's so much FFA has to offer. Um, even if you don't have that prior experience, there's so much, you know, leadership, community service, just good citizenship um, that we offer. And then also, if you are interested in agriculture, there's so much to learn. For me, you know, I lived in town most of my life, no, hardly any connection to agriculture other than, you know, eating food uh, at the dinner table. And so, you know, having the chance to learn more about agriculture through FFA was really important because, again, I never really had the chance to do that before, you know, taking part in my ag classes and going to FFA meetings. It just really opened up my eyes to this whole new world, to me at least, that it felt like with agriculture and just everything that, you know, we do really, you know, to feed the world and to provide some of the amazing resources that we give. Well, yeah, and, and I feel the organization really provides the core set of skills and, and character skills and leadership skills to, to be successful regardless of what you want to do in life. I feel that very, very strongly what the FFA provides. That's awesome. I, I, I love hearing those feel-good stories of how FFA shaped the lives of, of individuals who lead our, our state now. So that's absolutely incredible to hear. Now, you were an FFA member, and you became a state senator, and I'm sure there are many members out there in Indiana uh, who maybe are interested in ag policy and, and in advocacy. What are some opportunities for members who are interested in advocacy? Uh, how can they get involved with either the state government or with state senators? Yeah, you know, it's an excellent question. I would highly encourage people to get to get involved in, on some level. And I found personally, uh, the toughest step is just that first one of getting involved and getting engaged. I think sometimes it's a little challenging. How do you do that? You know, for, for people on a local level, I would, I would probably encourage them to, uh, to reach out to the local representative, their local senator via, 
you know, it could be a phone call, it could be an email, it could be a letter. Um, also too, I think I, I would not be too timid on just asking for a meeting, you know, whether it's a one-on-one or, or you come to, to a local FFA meeting or, or your banquet. Cause oftentimes uh, I know my colleagues, um, oftentimes will we'll take people up on those opportunities just to, just to hear what's on their minds. You know, it may not have to have an exact purpose just to hear, okay, Hey, to, you know, tell me a little about yourself. What do you think about agriculture? What do you think is important? I, I would not discount the, the opportunity for a personal meeting or, or, or an engagement, like say, whether it's one-on-one or, or at your FFA meeting or banquet or whatever, but, but just reach out. And if, if you see your local uh, representative or Senator somewhere, go up to them and introduce them. If it's at a, a community breakfast or a, or a dinner or something, you know, at a, at a function, whether it be a banquet, introduce yourself. Cause, cause I know, again, I went back earlier. I love being transparent and visible and accessible. And, and a lot of my colleagues feel the same way. And a lot of good ideas, you know, come from constituents. And it's also good to to hear, you know, what's on your minds. And I will say it's very inspiring as a state legislature to, to, to see, see young people, see bright, talented young people. It's very encouraging to see young people coming up and hearing their ideas and, and what they want to offer and what they, what they can share. Yeah, I think definitely our members appreciate hearing that, uh, especially for, again, those who are wanting to maybe get some more experience with state governor, or who, who knows, they might be future state senators, state representatives. So I think it's an awesome mm-hmm. opportunity that we can provide to give them the chance to become more knowledgeable, yeah. to at least know, you know, kind of what uh, an average day looks like for a state senator, or maybe just connect uh, to one of their representatives and hear from them directly. So staying, staying on this topic of state government and moving into our leadership segment, what are some of the leadership and communication skills that you use on a daily basis there at the state house? You, you utilize those skills uh, every day. And a lot of them, the, the core, the, the start of the development of my skills were, were in the FFA, but you know, a lot of the skills you learn there, utilize there in FFA, I, I use today. I mean, number one is, is just being able to effectively communicate with people, you know, being able to share your ideas, your thoughts and, and provide feedback and have an open dialogue and, and how to, you know, how to share ideas and, and share difference of opinions and still have mutual respect for each other. I think that's tremendously important, and especially in the political process and environment. We can yeah. we can talk about an idea, have a different viewpoint, have different opinions, but still have mutual respect. So, so that's important. You know, character building. Um, in my job, you know, whether it be in my my day job or, or with the Senate, you know, just having having strong character and trying to really do what you say and and keep your word. And you know, if you have a disagreement, share share why you have that. But I think that character is tremendously important. Um, the, the leadership, you know, one of the most important things I think in any any aspect, particularly in my role, is trying to build some consensus. You know, consensus means you you may not agree 100 percent, but you may agree about 80 percent with 80 percent of, of an idea or something. So that's important as well. But you know, other than that, you know, being timely, being prompt, the professional, you know, being professional. I really think that you know, be, being professional is something that that's tremendously important. But but all of those those core skills that were started in FFA, I still very much use today and you know, all the way down to, to being, trying to be polite and, and proper and, and, and just treating everybody with, with the same degree of respect. I completely agree with all of those. And I think that's a really good path into the final question for our leadership segment, for our questions today. And that would be, what would you like to share with the members who are listening to this podcast who are wanting to grow their leadership skills, both inside and outside of the FFA? Yeah, it's, a, it's another excellent question, but, but one of them is I would, I would tell them to probably search, uh, you know, don't be afraid to try new things, take advantage of opportunities. I, I know we always say follow your passion. And I firmly believe that you have to do something you're, you're passionate about in order, if, if you're passionate about it, you're probably going to be really good at that. And I 100% agree with that. But also don't be afraid to take advantage 
of opportunities that are before you, even if it's not something that you, you think you may like or something you may not be super passionate about. What I found is sometimes those opportunities, if it's a good opportunity, it, it may be a stepping stone to get to something you're extremely passionate about and what you learn from it and what you gain from it is tremendously valuable. So, so take advantage of as many opportunities as you can, even if it's something you may be like, hey, I don't know if I like it or not, but it maybe it's a short-term opportunity, but take advantage of those opportunities. But ultimately, I think you do have to follow your passion, do something you're excited about and something that, that really just kind of energizes you and gives you some excitement and energy inside. So um, that, and, and, and don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, regardless of what you're trying to do, wh- whether it be a job or a school project or an FBA project, there's many, many people out there are willing to help, you know, in, in whatever form that is, whatever problem you have and provide some guidance. And, and sometimes just that little bit of guidance or a little bit of push or a little bit of help can take you to the next level and really uh, just provide more opportunities for you. So that would probably be my, my few pieces of advice for, for the FFA members out there today. The words of wisdom from Senator Buchanan. <laughs> well, I don't know if the words of wisdom, but the words. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, we appreciate that. You know, talking about like opening doors and, you know, stepping stones. I think that's really important because, you know, my whole journey in the FFA, you know, really speaks to that, you know, just going to my first meeting, you know, opened up for the chance to me then to take part in contests and then going to contests, you know, I had the chance to meet with other FFA members and then they told me all about like the leadership conferences. And, you know, I would then go back to my ag advisor and, oh, hey, I'm kind of interested in these leadership conferences people have talked about. Then I would go to leadership conferences and I, you know, started getting involved in the chapter level and, you know, checking out different leadership positions. It really does, you know, just taking that first step starts to open up so many doors and, it's so hard telling where you'll end up in the organization when you take opportunities, but it really, you know, just taking those first steps just allow you to, you know, grow so much in the person that you are. Well, and I think sometimes you, you may not know what, what opportunities you like or what you're passionate about until you just start trying, you know, yeah. trying opportunities and you get involved, like say you got involved in FFA, you went to conferences, you, you got to kind of start trying things and getting involved before you truly know now. And then all of a sudden over here, this is, my passion, what I like. And I think sometimes it just takes a little bit of getting involved and, and be willing to step out there. And you know what, if, if you try something and it's not for you, okay, great. You, you took it, you learned from it, you gained something from it, you can try on the next opportunity. I would have to agree with that hundred percent. I actually uh, tried the forestry contest my first year in FFA and I only tried it because I, I heard my friend was doing the competition. I said, oh, I'll get to see her at the contest then. And <laughs> not actually thinking I'm actually going to do it. But then I went to my first practice and fell in love with identifying leaves, seeds and, and wood. And I love it. And it's, it, it actually ha- it helped me find my passion for ag ed. Cause that next year I uh, got to be the coach of the team and help the younger members learn it. So definitely can confirm. Uh, you just gotta just try new things and you don't know what you're, you're going to fall in love with. And if, if you do awesome, if you don't, no problem, at least you tried. So I, that's a really good yeah. answer. I like that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great, great story. Great to hear. Thanks for sharing. Now, we couldn't let you go, Senator Buchanan, without taking part in a tradition that we have for these podcasts, and that's called our rapid fire question. Now, we are getting closer to Christmas and the winter holidays. Julia's pretty, pretty (laughs) passionate about Christmas. So we feel like this is a pretty suitable rapid fire question time of the year. So, Senator Buchanan, as your rapid fire question, what is the best Christmas gift you have ever received and why? You know, I, I will say I love Christmas. I'm kind of a Christmas yes. junkie. I love looking <laughs> yeah. at Christmas lights. Really likes to hear that. It's the Christmas spirit. Yeah, I, I absolutely love Christmas time. And oh boy, the best gift. I, I guess first of all, I'd probably be just a, a healthy healthy, happy family with, with my wife, Alicia and two kids, Chase and Allie. So that'd be first in a Christmas gift, man, I, I don't know. 
I wonder if I've got the Chicago Cubs World Series Baseball, which is pretty cool. Oh, okay. So a big baseball collector as well. Every year for the last several years, we've been getting that complete Topps baseball set. But man, that's probably a healthy, happy family would be top of the list. And then several other things would fall in there. But but I share your Christmas spirit a lot. I, yeah. I just I just love the Christmas like time. And <laughs> what it means, you know, how can people remember the, the reason for the season and just uh, going out with my family and I would like to go out and look at Christmas lights and drive around and you know, see what people got up. It's, it's a great time. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's what I'm most looking forward to right now for the winter holidays is getting a chance to see my family. You know, I know for a lot of people right now, you know, especially with being distant, it's, it's tough, you know, it's tough not seeing some members of your family. Um, you know, even if they have to zoom in or anything like that, it's just nice actually getting some time, you know, to, you know, talk with them, finally getting to, you know, kind of be in like the festive holiday season with them. So that's probably what I'm most yes. looking forward to. You know, who knows? Maybe this year I'll get uh, my best Christmas gift. <laughs> who knows? It's hard telling. A PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, that, I tell you, that's very optimistic there. I like that. This year I'm going to get the best. I love that attitude. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's great. Now I'm like, I, I got to go watch a Christmas movie or something. <laughs> I'm in the spirit now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, well, Amen. <laughs> Well, thank you, Senator Buchanan, for joining us today on the Corridor Connect. Uh, we appreciate uh, you sharing the important work of the Indiana Senate and everything you do. And we also appreciate your work that you did uh, as an Indiana FFA state officer. We wish you the absolute best as we continue to support and grow Indiana agriculture. So thank you again for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Corridor Connect. Join us next month as we continue to share the stories of the leaders shaping our future. This has been your co-host, Julia Hamblin. And Derek Williams. Until next time, Indiana FFA, stay golden.